the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. It's Thursday. We're recording a big old bag of mail, and uh, we appreciate all of you who have submitted questions. Remember, there's lots of different ways to get your questions into the mailbag. You can start by leaving us a five-star rating a review, and then in that review, include your question for the mailbag. We'll be pulling a couple from there. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Cover3Podcast. We do solicit questions um, on Twitter as well, and that'll be another good place to get to us, especially in some of the days leading up to the mailbag. So always follow on Twitter, leave us a review, leave us your question in the mailbag, uh, and we can add it to the big old bag of mail. It's been a breaking news Thursday morning throughout the football world, a hire uh, that really shakes the landscape of the sport. Barton Simmons to Vanderbilt is official. It has been announced. The general manager, director of player personnel, savant, tan suit extraordinaire. They got a graphic. Barton even got a little signature graphic. You know, they uploaded his signature. We will actually hear from Barton Simmons. Uh, We got a chance to circle up with him along with Danny Cannell a little bit ago, but uh, we were on an embargo from the Commodores who kept us from releasing that content to you. So we will hear from him a little bit later on in the show. But Tom, that's the biggest hire news, right? I mean, you put out a poll on Twitter. There, another coach got hired somewhere. I forgot where, but uh, this is the biggest news of the day, right? Yeah, I mean, going from like keeping the riffraff out of Toad's place to the general manager of Vanderbilt football, it's a it's pretty good, it's pretty good, you know, career path for our guy there. Good for and, you uh, to remember Toad's place is where he was a bouncer because who could forget <laughs> Toad's place? I mean, it's where Slayer or somebody played. <laughs> yeah, no, the there is a mailbag. If you want to go back and listen to it, it's uh, the. And it's titled The Time That Barton Was a Bouncer for a Slayer Concert. It's one of the most epic stories he ever gave. It was this that's what offseason mailbags are really for. But yeah, our uh, our congrats to Barton. Your who how is how are the results going on your poll that you put up? Uh well the poll was who what's the bigger hire? Mm-hmm. Uh Vanderbilt hiring Barton Simmons as GM or Jacksonville hiring Urban Meyer. Who? And right now, I, I don't know, some guy. Uh, Barton Simmons is winning that 56% to 44% over 700 votes and still 23 hours left to vote. So depending on when you're listening to this, make sure you go to my Twitter account at Tom Fernelli and let your voice be heard. That's right. More than a vote. <laughs> it's a statement for football. All right. Urban Meyer to the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is not specifically a college move. Uh, you know, we don't have a, an emergency podcast threshold that says, Oh my gosh, you know, a team just lost Urban Meyer. A team just got Urban Meyer. He goes from Fox sports to now being the head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars who have the number one overall pick. We've got Trevor Lawrence coming in. There is uh, there's, there's like the Urban Meyer. Do you think this will be successful? There is the Urban Meyer fascination for me in terms of someone with no professional experience and the way that the last 10 to 12 years have played out in Urban Meyer's career are just fascinating to take that individual, somebody who has proven to even like elevate himself. He shows up at Ohio State and he he takes the gentlemanly, I'm not going to recruit your guys and throws it out the window. He brings that ruthless, relentless, killer instinct on the recruiting trail to the Big Ten. In my eyes, really changing the Big Ten landscape, sort of pushing the pace, setting the bar a little bit higher than, of course, near the end of his tenure. You know, a lot of uh, the controversy with uh, the way that he, um, my words, 
sort of uh, maybe helped mentor and guide and protect Zach Smith in in ways that were scandalous, you know, that really brought uh, a lot on him and included a three-game suspension for Urban Meyer uh, during that last season where Ryan Day actually started his head coaching uh, career. I mean, the... All right, so... What's starting to come to mind? There's there's like a flood. There's a lot of different strings to this, and uh, it's not. We don't have a specific question, but we do have one related that we're going to get to uh, in a little bit. But I wanted to get your reaction to Urban Meyer. It's. I mean, obviously, I think that if, from all reports, he was who the Jaguars wanted. So it's it's one of those weird things because you know that Urban Meyer is a good football coach. It's just you don't know because we've seen it so many times where really good football coaches leave the college level go to the nfl level and that it falls flat on their face because it's like college there's different things that you have to do but there's a lot more involved than just understanding football like from top to bottom in an organization and in a college program there's a lot of things that go into it and it's not like at jacksonville he can just go to the players' homes and recruit them to come play for Jacksonville. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. have to get them through 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 a draft. Free agency, maybe you could kind of make those same kind of connections. But so I think it's a very interesting hire and I think it's a good hire, but I have absolutely no idea if it's going to work out. We never really do. I think as far as a college football fan, it sucks because to be blunt, I really enjoyed Urban Meyer on Fox. I really enjoyed his work with the Big Ten Network. I enjoyed a lot of the content, like the film roomy kind of stuff that they put out with him that I thought was really good. Because I think that when you sit and you watch those videos with Urban Meyer, you get it really quickly. Like, Like you get why his teams are so successful and you also get why so many players wanted to play for him and you know, loved playing for him. But my other thought about this is this is a man who spent 17 years as a head coach at the college level and lost 32 games. <laughs> He's taking over a Jacksonville team that lost 15 games this season. He, Urban lost 15 games in six years of Florida. And we saw the way that, that his final season at Florida, when he went eight and five, he had to retire for health reasons because losing that many games, not competing for a division title or SEC title was like killing the man. And then we saw him, you know, with the Ohio State situation, we saw the impact that the way that ended had on him there. Hell, we saw, you know, on the sideline of that game against Maryland a few years ago, I can't remember if that was his final season or the season before where they came back to win, but they were losing. And just watching him on the sideline, it looked like a man in intense physical pain watching his team lose. How does that guy now adapt to a lifestyle in the NFL where, you don't have to win every game. Hell, you can go seven and nine and make the playoffs and win your division. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts him on a weekly basis. I'm really interested in watching it. I, I hope he succeeds because as far as football coaches go, I, I really like Urban Meyer. And I I think he's stepping into a great situation because he's going to have Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. They've got a ton of draft picks and they've got a ton of cap room. And I think that's probably why this situation was so appealing to him because it's not it doesn't seem like a very long fix. If Trevor Lawrence is who everybody thinks Trevor Lawrence is, and then you combine their cap room and draft picks, this is a team that could be, you know, competing for a playoff maybe in two years, maybe even next year. But he's going to take some L's. He's going to take a lot more losses than he's used to. And I am trying to balance being really interested and fascinated with being concerned and also trying not to talk out of place because I'm not his doctor, you know, like I don't actually know how he's doing the justification in my head. And this is purely speculation is, well, I guess I'll ask it as a question. Do you think that removing recruiting, you still have to worry about your roster. You still have to worry about, um, you know, the the way that you're building it, scouting and identifying talent. And I do think Urban Meyer does a great job of identifying talent. Do you think that eliminating the recruiting, especially in the transfer portal era, era where you're not only recruiting the high school players, but you're constantly recruiting for transfers and recruiting your own players to get them to continue to buy in year after year? Do you think that eliminating that aspect of the job, again, with the way that he recruited, that relentless, I'm going to be all about it, I'm going to be in this attitude, is that a significant portion of maybe uh, making the stress more manageable? Like if if recruiting is something you just can't even get your arms around because you're dealing with so many pieces, at least the stress of preparing for games and getting your team ready, 
that's something he's going to have a little bit more control of than the whole recruiting operation. Possibly, but this is my, you know, thousand mile view from Urban Meyer because I don't know the man. This is just what I witness or what I read from him. This is a guy that, you know, he retired for health reasons or whatever from Florida. He, you know, he, he came back, he left Ohio State. Now he's coming back. This is a man that to me strikes me as somebody who wants to compete. And I think that he looked at recruiting in the same way as he looks at football games. He wanted to win. Like if he, if he set his eyes on a player that he wanted and there were other schools competing for him, he wanted to make sure that at the end of the day, he was the guy who won the player. So I don't know if I think that, yeah, not having to worry about that could be, you know, better beneficial for maybe I don't know, but I also think there's probably going to be a part of urban Meyer that misses it. And I think that maybe that's going to be coming in free agency, but that's the thing. Cause it's so different with free agency and recruiting. Like I, if, if we live in a bubble where we just pretend that, you know, players are just committing to a school based on that and blah, blah, blah. Like with a free agency, it's pretty cut and dry. How much money are you going to give me? <laughs> How much is guaranteed? With recruiting, you kind of have to con- do a little more sales job of convincing somebody why you're the person or that they want to come play for and, and go, to, go to that school and that kind of stuff. So I don't know if that's going to give them that kind of same fire, but I, I think that having less on the plate will probably be good for him and maybe not cause him to burn out as quickly as he's burned out at other places. But at the same time, man, like the NFL, it's it's not exactly, you know, comfortable and breezy. Yeah. Even if you're the head coach at Jacksonville, because you are still Urban Meyer. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. And like if you could you look across the state, that very same state, nobody really paid that much attention to Tampa Bay until what happened this year. Tommy. Tom Brady comes. So now Tampa Bay is a team that is constantly in the spotlight. It's on the Monday night football games. It's on Sunday night football. Now that Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence are in Jacksonville, Jacksonville is going to be in the national spotlight a lot more often than they're used to being. So it's still going to be a daily grind. Um, Great call on the competitor uh, aspect of this. I think you're 100% on. And while you said it was your 1,000-foot sort of view of it, he did a video interview with 24-7 Sports where he was complimenting 24-7 Sports. He's like, I love you know your service. I wake up, I check it every day, and I'll tell you what, man. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, I'm a competitor. If you're going to put numbers beside it, I'm going to want to be number one. Like he's, you're, you're, I think you're spot on with your read on that. It's at the moment that uh, recruiting was viewed as like wins and losses and total points and rankings, the man cannot help it. He just absolutely had to be. Number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and dive into the mailbag. This question coming from Twitter uh, from WDK. WDK asks, who takes an NFL job first? Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley, or Jim Harbaugh? Uh, it's weird because my initial instinct is to say Jim Harbaugh simply because Jim Harbaugh has... NFL coaching experience and like those rumors surface every single year. But I don't think Jim Harbaugh is the type of coach NFL teams are looking for these days. Mm. I, I, I think that Ryan day and Lincoln Riley are more in line with what NFL teams want. They want the offensive savants. They want the gurus because the NFL it's always been a QB league, obviously, but it has really it's it's not all that different from college now where the quarterback is that important and the offense is what's important. So you want somebody who can put together an offense, who can groom a quarterback, who can develop a quarterback and who could put points on the board. And I think that teams look at Lincoln Riley and what he's been able to do with quarterbacks at Oklahoma and the guys he's sent you know to win Heisman's to, to the NFL and the success that those guys are having in the NFL. And he's an obvious candidate. I think that Ryan Day, you look at what Ohio State's offense has done since he took over for Urban Meyer, he's a candidate. Jim Harbaugh's offense is at Michigan, kind of lagging behind. So I would wager that Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day are more likely than Jim Harbaugh at this point. But I say that with the caveat that I'm not uh, as convinced 
that Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day are interested in the NFL as you sometimes get like that narrative because and it usually comes from to be blunt it usually comes from NFL media Mm -hmm. who kind of get the sense that well of course they would want to leave college for the NFL who wouldn't want to coach in the real the big leagues the real leagues I, I I think there's an arrogance to that that doesn't always match the reality I think that Lincoln Riley might be very happy to Oklahoma, might be very happy being a college coach. I think Ryan Day might be very happy. That's not to say that they'll never get pulled away because, you know, like you mentioned, we were talking about Urban Meyer and you hear from coaches when it, when it comes to this new era that we might be entering in with, with the NIL, with the transfer portal, with maybe, you know, the one-time free transfers. It's adding a lot more to their plate that they have to deal with that they haven't had to deal with before, whereas you're no longer just recruiting the players to come to your school. You have to continue recruiting them once they're there. And then you also have to recruit other teams' players. And that's why you should probably hire general managers to run your programs. But uh, I... (laughs) (laughs) So maybe at some point that gets starts to wear on them and the NFL looks more appealing. Like we were just kind of speculating there with it might be easier for urban, but I don't know which one is the most likely, but I would say Ryan day and Lincoln Riley of the three based on NFL interest are more likely than Jim Harbaugh. I'm going to go Ryan day, but I agree with you. And uh, we can go ahead and just start to look at this where uh, Jim Harbaugh, 57 years old, I know he seems real sprightly with the way he carries himself. And I know that Nick Saban continues to push what we believed is like the age that you step out of this, but you compare him to Ryan day at 41 and Lincoln Riley at 37. I mean, the odds, especially considering the trends you're saying is that, you know, Lincoln Riley or, uh, and we are dealing with a closed sort of comparison here that Lincoln Riley or Ryan day at some point in the next 10 to 15 years, like I think Lincoln Riley will go to the NFL at some point. I just don't think he's in any hurry. And it was Barry Switzer who told him uh, a while back, he said, yeah, um, you know, you're in the mix for one of these, some of these NFL jobs. And there's a lot of coaches that would like to be in the NFL, but pretty much every coach in America would love to be the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. Like in terms of just a football job, Lincoln Riley has one of the best jobs. And you could make the same argument for Ryan Day, but I will pick Ryan Day and I will use that as my tiebreaker. I will use as my tiebreaker two years with Chip Kelly, right? Ryan Day was at the Eagles and he was at the 49ers with Chip Kelly. So he's at least gotten a, a taste of that NFL life. Lincoln Riley was... Uh, you know, coming up with Ruffin McNeil at ECU. Then, of course, he goes over offensive coordinator for Bob Stoops, takes over the program. It seemed while we are dealing with legend national championship winning coach retires, sort of successor is brought up in both cases. It feels like the Riley connection to college football is a little bit more homegrown. Is that fair? Yeah. But I would also, you could also kind of like, you know, Ryan Day's been to the NFL. He chose to go to college. Mm, True. That was always like, like David Shaw, David Shaw's time in the NFL had him on the top of like a bunch of NFL lists, but he's still at Stanford. (laughs) We'll see. Also, he's in that kind of Harbaugh position where I think NFL teams, I think David Shaw is more likely to become a general manager than an NFL head coach at this point. Probably. Uh, All right, this question coming from the review mailbag. It's from Alex and Lily. All right. Hey, Alex and Lily. Is Ohio State dominating the Big Ten something that will continue to happen? The recruiting classes are ridiculous. I don't see how anyone will be set up in the next few years to challenge them. As a Penn State fan, how can this change? I mean, I think you answered your own question there. That the recruiting classes are ridiculous and you need to be able to be recruiting on their level if you want to be able to beat them? Yeah. I mean, that's that's really it. You need to see Ohio State either slip up in recruiting and kind of get away from that model that Urban Meyer established and Ryan Day and that staff are still maintaining. And by the way, that is one thing we didn't touch on that is interesting to me about this Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville situation is how many coaches does he possibly raid from that Ohio State staff? Because a lot of the guys that are still there on Ryan Day's staff are holdovers from the Urban 
tenure. Including so the director of player personnel and the strength coach. Exactly. Yeah. And we know our former co-host, we know about Mickey Marotti and his feelings towards that man. And if he leaves and goes, you know, to Jacksonville, that could be an interesting impact. And that is something that I'm also going to be interested in following from this. But anyways, back to this question. Yeah, it's you either need Ohio State to slip back to the pack or somebody needs to come in and have that same kind of recruiting success because that's what you see in the SEC. But at the same time, even though in the SEC we have a lot of really strong recruiting schools, which, to be fair, are helped by being in a region with a lot the most talent for the most part. Nobody's really like Georgia's put up all these tremendous recruiting classes, but they haven't caught up to Alabama yet. Right. They came, they came close to winning a national title. LSU's put together tremendous recruiting classes and they did win a national title, but they're still capable of having down years. As we learned this year, Auburn has great recruiting classes, still capable of having down years. Alabama hasn't had a down year and Ohio state hasn't had a down year. So I don't know. (laughs) It's, it's not as simple as just say, well, you just got to recruit because there is a lot more to it than that, but it's impossible to do it without the recruiting. And if you look around and you just see which of these Big Ten schools have the possibility to recruit like that, Michigan is one, Penn State's the other. And I know this is, we've seen it, and it's because of the geographic footprint, and it hasn't impacted results in any way. But Maryland has shown an ability to recruit very good classes, and they've done it through different coaches. So I, I've always... I. I've always felt like Maryland is something of a sleeping giant in that regard, but it's, it's a lot more difficult than that. So I, I would not expect anybody to really be on Ohio state's level in the big 10 in the next few years. That's not to say Ohio state can't lose a big 10 title. That's not to say somebody else can't win it. It's just, it, you feel like if somebody else wins the title, something either went wrong at Ohio state or there was like a fluky result somewhere along the way. You know what I mean? Well, to me, you just, you need to be Michigan state in 2013 or you need to be Auburn in 2013 or 2017. Like you just need to be right at that level. And then if the door opens, be ready to bust through it. Take advantage. Yeah. Yeah, You just, and that's frustrating. The question from Alex and Lily, they claim to be Penn state fans. Like, that is frustrating, especially when it is your division rival and somebody that you've had these epic battles with over the last several years. But even if you're just taking those L's, if you're that next team up, if you're in the New Year's Six, if you're the, like only missing out by that one game on the Big Ten Championship game, then have your team continue to be at that level so that when the door is open, when you get that win, you don't also lose uh, to Michigan by 49 in the same season or you know, exactly. 49 to 10 or whatever. Like just be at such a ridiculously high consistent level. Uh, the Clemson Tigers were looking up at Florida State. You know, they broke through in 2011, won an ACC title, but they did it in 12 and they did not in 13 and they did not in 14, but they were the next best team in all those years. So when they finally got a chance to knock down the Knowles in 15, they were already soaring at that position. So it's frustrating to think that the best way to take out Ohio State includes also losing to them maybe almost every year. But if you're winning all of your other games, then you're going to be better suited to be able to uh, jump when the opportunity's there. Yeah, because like part of like what happened with Clemson is they built it a spot up to where they were the number two team in the ACC. And then Florida State took that step back. Florida State slipped. Jimbo Fisher left has not been able to recover since they had, they made some bad decisions and they haven't recovered. If you look at the SEC, Nick Saban is going to retire one day when he does. We don't know for certain that whoever takes that job is going to be able to maintain what Nick Saban did, because while you look at Alabama and you say, well, that's, that's a blue blood program. It is, but you can't dismiss Nick Saban being one of the greatest coaches of all time and the impact that that has had on the program. And you can't dismiss urban Meyer being one of the greatest coaches of all time and the impact that had on Ohio state, which they're still kind of living with the fruits of. And we still need to see, going forward, whether that happens or like we just mentioned, if Ryan day does leave for the NFL and let's assume Luke fickle comes in and takes over. Do we know for a fact that Luke fickle will be able to maintain what Ohio state is? No, I think he could, but there's no guarantee. So 
I, I know at times like this, it seems like it's impossible. It's not. It's just sometimes you got to be patient. These things are cyclical. And besides, in three years, it'll probably be Illinois dominating the Big Ten. Woo! So, you know. Bert era in the house. Uh, I like this question, even though I feel like I've got a very simple answer to it, but it is one that I've been asked a lot uh, on Radio Hits this week and even into last week. So I figured I'd bring it up so we could address it here. Question from Andrew. Great podcast, beginning to be one of my favorites. Started listening to you guys back in April in the beginning of the pandemic, and you guys offered a much-needed escape during those times, so thank you. You're welcome. My question is, if the CFB playoffs choose to expand, could we see a change in recruiting where we see that typical five four-star recruits that would normally go to the usual Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia at Ketera in a four-team playoff elect to go to other programs since they will have a better chance to make the playoffs in an eight-team playoff? This will give themselves possibly more playing time and the option to stay at home or closer to home, effectively spreading the talent around to other programs as opposed to keeping it at a handful of schools. By the way, Danny has been a great addition. I love how many people just sneak that in at the very end. (laughs) By the way, all those one stars are haters. We like Danny. We like Danny. Uh, I mean, I, I think that theoretically it makes sense. Because we have seen that with the playoff era, the rich have gotten richer as far as the acquisition of talent. Because everybody wants, if you have a chance to go to a team that could win a national title, you, most kids, nine to eight or nine out of 10, are probably going to choose that team over the team that, hey, well, maybe we can win a division. You know what I mean? Or maybe we can go to the Citrus Bowl. You right. Know? So. I do think that, yeah, in theory, expanding the field would help others recruit and land top talent and maybe kind of leech away from the same schools because you'd say, well, I got an opportunity. If I if if I go to this Pac-12 school, I've got a better chance. If I go to Cincinnati, I've got a much better chance. If I go to Texas, I've got a much better chance. If I go to Wisconsin now, I can go and I can get to the playoff from there and it's closer to home and that's where I want to be. And in theory, all these things are true. It's just... I have heard so many theories like this in recent years in sports where it comes to we need more and more and more. And I don't think they've improved the sports. I I think I look at the playoff and I'm fine with four, but I also think that the playoff is kind of, I don't know. I I don't enjoy college football in the playoff era as much as I did before the playoff era. I look at the games themselves, like the college, the NFL level in baseball, in basketball, where we started with the idea of, well, of course, if we review a couple things, it's going to make the sport better because then we'll get it right and it won't be unfair. And then as that starts and you get into that every single year, it's, well, now we need to add this to be reviewable. This, we need more. We need to be able to review more and more and more. And would, do you feel like all these reviews have made your in, enjoyment of sports better? No. Or has it ruined it for you? It hasn't ruined it for me, but um, I, I mean, I just think it adds more time to the broadcast. So I'm like, yeah. let's go. So I look at it and it's like expanding the playoff will improve all of this and it will give everybody a chance. I also feel like expanding the playoff will just make a lot more things uh I, I hate to use the word, but I just, I feel like in general, meaningless. Mm, okay. Like, yeah, okay, more teams will have a, a chance to reach the playoff, but that just means that the playoff is going to become even more important because right. now more teams have the chance. So now more teams, the stated goal is going to be, we got to get to the playoff and other things that I think matter or should matter will matter less and less. And we'll just get to a point where we're dealing with a 130 team sport, which again, will likely expand because more you know, FCS schools or smaller schools will say, well, sh- we got it. We got to get into this. We can get a chance to get that money pie. So we'll see the FPS level expand and it'll just lead to more teams being ignored. So I don't think that the college football playoff expansion will lead to more four and five stars uh, getting spread around from those top teams because four and five stars go to teams with no shot at the playoff every year. Seven, eight, even nine SEC teams finish in the top 25 of the recruiting rankings. And 
all seven, eight, nine teams ain't going to uh, the college football playoff. Like Nebraska has been recruiting at kind of a high level. South Carolina recruits at a high level. So I just think that the examples of um, players that are outside of the college football playoff picture, uh, no, the teams outside of the college football playoff picture being able to land. And yeah, like the, they're not landing multiple five stars down where I'm talking about in that sort of like 20 to 35 range, but they are landing four stars. They are getting blue chip prospects. I mean, you don't go to South Carolina really thinking you're going to go be part of the college football playoff picture. You go probably because uh, it, it'll help you get to the NFL because it's an SEC team. It's going to be a good fit, maybe because you're from the area and maybe you've got a relationship with the assistant coach. Like, sure, playing for a national championship is something that is sold at Alabama, at Ohio State, at Georgia, at Clemson. But I also think that there's a lot of four and five stars that end up going to schools that are not part of the national championship picture. Like, I mean, even Oregon, right? Like Oregon's selling, like we're going to go to the playoff and we're going to compete for a national championship. But if we expand to eight, does Oregon get more or less four stars or five stars? I don't think so. Oregon recruits at like a top 10 level anyway, or 10 to 15 level anyway, whether they are in the Pac-12, which hasn't put a team in the playoff in years, or whether it's an 18 playoff or the Pac-12 having an automatic bid. I just think that from the recruiting perspective, there's only but so many scholarships and those teams at the top are going to be competing for the same amount, whether or not there's more teams in the playoff or not. Yeah, and I mean, and I'll, I think, again, geography will always play a huge role in it. Even as national as recruiting gets, most kids, if they have the opportunity, are going to want to stay closer to home. So, like, just being in the SEC or the ACC, where a lot of that four- and five-star talent is found, they're always going to have an inherent advantage in landing those kids, whether there's eight teams, 16 teams, 32 teams, however many teams. So, yeah, I, I, I think that the... I think the thought behind the theory that it would help is if the Wisconsin's of the world and, you know, the Cincinnati's and the South Carolina's and, you know, maybe like the, the Iowa States or, you know, the Utah's, if there's more availability for them to get into the playoff, it puts them in the spotlight more, which might make them more attractive some, to some highly rated recruits that they might not have even considered before. But I, I don't know how impactful it would be. We're going to end up talking expansion all off season in these mailbags. Yeah, it's going to suck. <laughs> um, I the one because there there's one aspect, and uh, I'll go ahead and just mention it here, here before we hit the break. But I think the idea of a bid thief would make conference championship Saturday better. That would be interesting or intriguing if we had an 18 playoff with five automatic bids, one group of five spot, two at larges. The idea that those bubble teams, the same way that they do coming up to Selection Sunday in basketball, are like dialed into this conference that they don't care about and rooting so hard for you know one team or the other to win so that they can get a better shot. I think that from a national interest perspective, that carries because this conference championship Saturday did not have much drama kind of felt like we knew exactly what was going to happen. Cause it was just going to come down to how bad did Notre Dame lose? And was it bad enough that Texas A&M is going to get in there? The intrigue being stripped away from the most part from the other games. I, I thought that that was one thing that could be exciting. And of course those conferences would love to have more interest in those cash grabs. I mean, uh, championship games that they hold every year. So I, I could see that like that I'm, I'm having to come around and like give myself reasons to uh, get excited about it or something good to look at because I had been anti-expansion for so long and now I just kind of feel like it's inevitable. Yeah. And that's what it boils down to. Like it's, you mentioned the drama and the national interest. It's like, do you want your national champion to be the actual best team in the country or do you just want to be entertained? And I think that the best argument for expansion is I just want to be entertained. Mm, true. Coming up on the other side. Who is going to be the next non-Bama team to win the SEC West? And we will hear from Vanderbilt's new general manager, Barton Simmons, next. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This next question comes from Hank from Long Island. That was, hey, not a, Hank. that was not a Long Island accent. I just wanted to put a lot of emphasis on Hank because I like that name. All right, Hank. Big fan. Hey, guys. Big fan of the pod. Thanks for being the highlight of my commute and more recently the highlight of my working from bed in the morning. With three Georgia homers and now a Noel, what can we expect to balance the gator hating? Will one of you convert or will there be a new addition? What is Tebow up to these days? It's great to be a Florida Gator, Tom. In all seriousness, my question is, who will be the next non-Bama SEC West team to play in the SEC championship? Hmm. Uh, God, I don't know. I, I, I feel like if we look at this, we approach this from the aspect of maybe there is a drop-off for Alabama next year because, as we talked about earlier this week, they do lose a lot. And mm-hmm. there are some, you know, we're assuming a lot and it's they're safer assumptions than most because we've seen Alabama replace all these guys year after year and still be really good. But let's just say that Alabama does slip. I think that in 2021, the team that's best suited to do it is A&M. But even A&M has question marks because they're replacing Kellen Mond. And as we've discussed, none of us are huge Kellen Mond <laughs> fans. We're not, we don't think he's great. We think he was perfectly fine. So it's, you could make the argument that A&M will upgrade at quarterback next year and with their defense and with the skill that they have elsewhere on that offense, that they will be well suited to take over. It's just their quarterback next year is also going to be young and inexperienced and might not be great. So I, I feel like in the short term, it's Texas A&M. I feel like if we take a long-term approach, it's still got to be the team that just won the national title two years ago. LSU. Yeah. So I, I feel like there's still plenty of talent there. I think that Auburn has that shot in the Brian Harson, but with a new coach, I don't know if Brian Harson's going to hit the ground running and Auburn's going to be looking great. And then I think dark horse Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lane, you can't deny that Lane can recruit. You can't deny that that offense was very potent. And if at any point he shows an interest in defense or at least improves that defense, that's a team with a coach that you feel like, all right, that's that's one of those teams that could jump up and get the West in a year. They're the kind of that's the kind of team that could take advantage of a slip up at the top. But I, I think if we're just looking at next year, I would say AM is in the best position. And if that quarterback develops whoever it ends up being and Jimbo starts really finding something there. I think that they have recruited at a level where Texas A&M is a very good choice to take here. But I just think that LSU is probably the smarter choice, I guess. I don't know. I I feel like it's so weird to just try to imagine Alabama not winning the SEC West, even though it happens. It's just, it feels like a dumb bet to me. Well, all right. So I think that Texas A&M is the pick because that was always the plan. You're mentioning, uh, and I look at Jimbo Fisher's contract. They gave him that contract hoping that Nick Saban retires and Jimbo Fisher's been spending 
five years, you know, six, like mm-hmm. how, however many years or like whenever that happens, even if Nick Saban doesn't retire, but there's like a little bit of a drop off or a little bit of a slip up. You gave Jimbo Fisher that deal with the idea that he would be the most well-positioned coach in the SEC to go make a run at Saban when it happens. And given the way that he's recruited, given the way that, as we mentioned earlier in the week, the sophomore class has really been a huge part of this. That's why there's a lot of excitement going into next year with Texas A&M. I do think Texas A&M's the play, but I love that you mentioned Ole Miss because as I went through my own thought experiment in preparation for this, I was thinking, all right, well, what record wins the West? Because the question wasn't who wins the SEC championship. It's who from the SEC West is playing for the SEC championship. Listen, five and three with the right tiebreakers, that can get Lane into the SEC championship, right? Like if if well, we, that's the thing, like you have to assume if Alabama's not winning the division, Ole Miss was probably one of the teams that beat it just because <laughs> like matchup wise, Ole Miss has shown the capability that it could, you know, put up points. They've done it twice. Yeah. yeah. Ole Miss has beat them twice. No, the absolute and without a doubt. And there was the year that uh what was it? Ole Miss, because it had the head-to-head win against Alabama was in the driver's seat for the SEC West, and then Arkansas completed, what was it, 4th and 20 or something yes. ridiculous like that to be able to edge out a win and uh, give Ole Miss the extra loss it needed. If if we have a year of parity, then without a doubt, your wild card and your dark horse has to be Ole Miss because that's not a team that I think is going to go 8-0 under Lane Kiffin, but they'll get to 6-2. and two. You know, like they'll, they'll run off a five and three or a six and two. And if five and three and six and two is good enough to be able to win the division, then yeah, it it could be. But I do think that Ole Miss, I mean, Texas A&M, as we just saw, seems well positioned to be able to be seven and one or maybe even eight and no under Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the way we frame it. In in a natural order way, Texas A&M is a choice. In a chaos way, Ole Miss is the choice. Um. I cannot help but have my answer be a little bit influenced by this question. Kind of fascinating perspective from Mason. Mason says, great pod. I have a few comments I think are worth y'all's time. I'm a longtime Georgia fan that has been in Boise, Idaho for 12 years. Whew. Tell it's me, nice place. Tell me why Auburn didn't make a huge all caps mistake hiring Harson. The culture at BSU was set up by Coach Pete. While Harson didn't do anything to destroy that culture, he didn't elevate the program either. You can argue Boise State has been less disciplined and the recruiting hasn't improved at all. How is Harson going to recruit in the SEC with a program that needs a boost when he barely kept Boise State afloat? The wins may still be there, but no one inside the Boise State program is too upset that he is leaving. The Boise State faithful are already hoping for Kellen Moore. This question was submitted on December 22nd uh, to come and take the reins. Thoughts? Well, I'm not that tied into the Boise department as you are, apparently. But I just feel like, okay, maybe Brian Harson didn't improve on what Chris Peterson did at Boise. Maybe he just kind of maintained it. But is it not logical to argue that there's a ceiling as to what Boise can do? I mean, I, I kind of disagree again. I don't have the perspective of being this Georgia football fan in Boise. And again, Mason, thank you for your question. I'm glad you love the podcast, but wow. Scorched earth on Harson. What's up with that? Yeah, I don't, that that's kind of confusing to me too. Like I understand that you didn't win a Fiesta Bowl and beat Oklahoma with a Statue of Liberty under Brian Harson, but I feel like he he did a pretty damn good job. And listen, you and I watch a lot of Mountain West football. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's on the Mothership CBS Sports Network. Games available to stream through your app. All you got to do is log in through your cable provider. And I feel like I watched high level football like I thought that they were very efficient I always thought that they were head and shoulders like better than the uh the opposing team like for example just 45 and 8 in conference play when they Mm -hmm. played against similar talent they went like 5 and 0 8 and 0 7 and 1 7 and 1 7 and 1 they did have one 5 and 3 year in 15 6 and 2 7 and 1 four top 25 finishes 
I don't know, man. I, I, I've got to do some investigating now because I thought that the hire of Brian Harson was a, a good hire. You know, I was like, okay, you made a good hire. You made a good football coach. We've got all these questions about the other stuff and, and recruiting certainly falls into that. But I, I think that Brian Harson coached Boise state teams looked really good on Saturdays. Yeah. I, I think what's going to be interesting is I, I do wonder, we've talked about this already though. It's the recruiting aspect will be interesting to me because it's different recruiting at Boise state than it's going to be at Auburn as compared to what you have to do. Uh, I also wonder because like you mentioned, watching a lot of Boise state football over the years, like they were clearly better than their competition. Most of the time that advantage will not exist at Auburn where you're not going to be better than the team you're playing every single week for the most part. In fact, a lot of weeks, the other team's going to have more talent than you and be better than you are. And you're going to have to figure out a way to beat them while having less talent. I don't know how often Brian Harson has had to do that while at Boise state. So that that's going to be interesting, but yeah, I, the, like you said, the scorched earth policy on Harson, that's kind of weird to me. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you and I, we're not in Boise. Maybe there is more of this there behind the scenes that we weren't aware of, but I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like this is kind of like a jilted lover more than anything. Like, you know, you're just trying to come up with it. Eh, it's not that big of a deal. I can do better. I just think that uh, it is inspired me to do a little bit more digging, you know, and it, it's, I'm not going to let Mason's one mailbag question influence how I consider Auburn going in, into the SEC West, but I've got a couple months to actually make those declarations and decisions, and I don't know. I mean, so uh, they've got Derek Mason hired as defensive coordinator. We've got uh, – who's the OC? Uh, it's Mike Bobo, isn't it? Mike Bobo. Mm. Tracy Rocker just left South Carolina to uh, to go be a part of it. Yeah, I don't know. That seems like a lot of uh, that's that's that is kind of big seven and five energy right there. <laughs> that's a lot of. I mean, that's that's three head coaches though. Like at your head coach and your two coordinator positions. That's three head current one current head coach, two former head coaches. I think that that's a solid staff. Solid staff. Um, yeah, we'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to dig into it. Um, all right. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. And now we turn the show over to our good friend for his farewell, the new general manager of Vanderbilt football, Barton Simmons. Tom, thank you very much. Anchor down. And now it's our pleasure to welcome back to the show the general manager of Vanderbilt football, former Cover 3 podcast host, Barton Simmons. Barton, congratulations. Uh, we roasted the hire uh, on a previous episode. <laughs> we have tried to also promote uh, sending uh, any any kind of future Vanderbilt students and college football fans uh, your way so that they can be a part of the, uh, the new movement of football at Vanderbilt. So uh, how are we doing, man? What's, what's it been like here over the, uh, the last little bit going through the transition? Well, I think first of all, um, on a serious note, the um, what the the it's been overwhelming the support um, and people that have reached out and the people that are excited and um, energized and 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 happy about you know the last few days and because of that, I want to send my heartfelt appreciation to everyone that's reached out. Because I too am extremely excited and validated and happy about Devonte Smith winning the Heisman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a, and a really important, a really important exclamation point to the end of the season. So I wanted to get that out of the way first. Devonte Smith has, in fact, completed the run that started in in, in November with a whisper. Um, Secondly, you guys, this is your first opportunity here, you guys, where I'm going to trust you with scoop. I'm trusting you with news because I am sitting here as we record this actually unemployed. I am. I am. I have no job. <laughs> haven't gone into the office yet. I'm still you waiting on that. An employment check? <laughs> I'm still waiting on that background <laughs> check to clear. And for, well, you know. I mean, what like, we I don't did know in what skeletons are digging up. Yeah, what we did uh -oh. in Austin. I don't know if you know that's going <laughs> to causing any problems. 
Um, so yeah, so as soon as that background check clears, it will be official and you guys can release this podcast. And so I'll, I will speak as if, um, it has been, you know, that the job is done, but, uh, but no, look, it's, um, thanks for, thanks for having me on. Um, this is, this is, will be something that I dearly miss. You guys are my boys. Uh, Internet. I'm- I was just going to say, congrats. I hope Vanderbilt gets you better. Vanderbilt soliloquy or what? (laughs) No. Oh, man. Am I breaking up? You were frozen. Yeah, right there. It probably was your best, (laughs) like most heartfelt line that you delivered was just frozen, frozen screen. But congrats, man. I hope they have better. Yeah, I hope they have better internet in the office. Did you catch any, all, none? You called us your boys, and then you just kind oh, of disappeared. Okay. Well, that, then, then good, because the only thing you miss is me being like, all right, what do you want to talk about? All right, just- I, want to, I want to know, how did this come about? Is this a dream of you? Have you wanted to get in coaching? Is this the perfect storm because it's your guy? It's Nashville. Mm-hmm. What, how did this come to be? How did this come to fruition? Okay, so I have always been very fascinated by building a roster and the evaluation process, the scouting process, the roster construction process, roster management, like that's, that is my passion. Um, but look, the reality is I've, I had a pretty sweet gig at 24 seven. Like I enjoyed it. I, I have job security, had job security, worked for a great company, great benefits. Uh, no win or loss on a Saturday was going to make me come into work on Monday with, uh, the idea that I might, be fired the next day. Like, um, I, you know, a coach taking a new job wasn't going to mean I had to move, uh, you know, Hattiesburg, Mississippi or something the next, you know, the next week, like there is to being in the media side of things. And I enjoyed that. And a Nashville guy, the, um, you know, the, the quality of life is always going to be number one for me. And, I had always talked to Clark through every stop. You know, he's always like, you know, when I get a head job someday, like you're going to, I'm going to take you with me. And I was like, good luck. Like, I'm not, I'm not going like wherever you go. Like I'm not going. The fact that landed this job at Vanderbilt in Nashville. And because the other element of it too, is like, I don't, that I would necessarily because of the quality of life element of this, I don't know that I would be that anxious to jump in with just about any other coach, but because I have so much trust in Clark Lee, not because he's my friend, he is, but because of, of how I've observed him as a coach. Like, A, I have trust that he's going to do it the right way. B, I have trust that he is a phenomenal coach. Um, and, and C, like he's a guy that I'm passionate to try to work with and try to build this the right way with. And so for the, the stars to align and for this to happen in that, a city I love, um, a at a university at Vanderbilt that I think has immense upside. I'll be honest, I got to, to be totally honest with you guys. Like I, I know I've sort of like low key loved up Vanderbilt before, but I know a lot of people that have worked there. <clears throat> I can't tell you how many former people coaches that have hit me up even before I got the job, just when Clark got the job, to say things like that place is has so much potential like that you can win there people that have worked there and have won people that have worked there and haven't won have have universally come to me and be like that is a place you can win like if you get it right you, there, there is so much potential there and i i believe in it um and i think the right guy is there and i am uh it's just i mean the stars aligned it's just the per i i, I it's almost surreal um that you know because any other any other jump like this, there would have to be some compromise somewhere. This is just this is just a perfect opportunity, um, and and it's time to get off the sideline. It's time to get in the fight. So, as the general manager, what exactly is your role going to be in the program? So, I think I'd be sort of the um, I, I'm going to be the keeper of of the roster. Like I'm going to be because there's a lot of um, you know, as coaches recruit their group, as um, as as the scouting department sort of evaluates the positions, as the recruit. 
So he's keeping it a secret. Oh, man. You guys got me? <laughs> Am I back? No. You were uh, you were talking about, you know, like with position okay. coaches and how they're putting the so, roster. All right. I am basically, um, you know, the head coaches, eyes and ears that can that can maintain the integrity of the roster and have a long-term vision of the roster. And that means managing our scouting department. That means managing our recruiting and, and operations, recruiting operations. Um, and it means keeping us disciplined and focused on the right things, getting the right guys with the right attributes, the right mental makeup, um, the right fits, um, making sure that everyone is, is sort of consistent in understanding what that vision is. And so, Again, I think the idea that the head coach has trust in me, I have trust in the head coach, that we're aligned philosophically, and we've talked about this for years in terms of what we like in players. And, 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 and what's exciting, too, is that I think Vanderbilt is a place where we can, we can go out and find players that are fits for Vanderbilt that might not be fits for other places. Like the right guys for that program, and we don't have to – and I, I believe stars matter, but we don't have to chase stars. Like we don't, I, I actually am not going to really care what our classes are ranked. So are you, uh, are you making the graphics? Like, are you putting together the, we need ballers, you equals baller <laughs> and sending them out to, uh, to all the recruits? Like, is that uh, in your department? I mean, I am not, totally proficient. Oh, bro, you better get photo. Yeah, you got Photoshop (laughs) and and Adobe Premiere because you need a clap back. I don't know if you've seen, but Missouri football has your voice on a hype video (laughs) and that is a SEC East division rival that is now just sitting there with some bulletin board material about how the general manager of Vanderbilt football doesn't see more than four wins on the schedule. Well... Fortunately, um, I'm going to get our, uh, our people at Vanderbilt to do some digging in the cover three archives and find some bulletin board material for that, for Vanderbilt. I'm sure I've said plenty <laughs> as have you guys that has provided plenty of bulletin board material for Vanderbilt. So, Hey, if the cover three podcast can provide bulletin board material across the board, um, all the, all the better, you know? So, uh, Hey, I'm on Just board fine. with that. Just find Danny on every lot. Yeah, I was gonna say. Last three months. <laughs> uh, first I think of I'm all, guilty of that a couple times too. Right. I want to go ahead and jump in here. Uh, first lock. I mean, just Vandy. You know, you look for him on the board and you jump on the other side. Yeah. New era. We're gonna get it right. It's new era. We're gonna get it right. New I promise you. Era. Hey, As, next uh, year. One more question. One more question. Okay, one more okay. question. As general manager, will you be? Like, are you allowed to be on the field? Is it a separate Ooh. role? Like, I don't even know how some of this stuff works. Are you allowed to survey practice? Are you allowed to recruit? Or are you just strictly evaluating? Oh, yeah, I'm allowed to recruit. I'm allowed to, uh, I don't I don't know the specifics of the rules of like how, and I certainly can't coach on the field, but I, mm-hmm. I think I, I can observe practice. Um, right. But I, I got a lot of compliance um, classes I got to dig into. But, I, but no, I think, I mean, yes, you know, communicating with process, um, and, and, you know, being involved, um, in the team, you know, is, is, is all very much within the, the function, but, but no, no actual coaching. They don't coach in anyways. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Will, will there be oat milk stocked in the facilities at all times? I was thinking about that. I wonder if I can have like a mini fridge in my office and, <laughs> Anytime a player wants to come in and have a conversation, I'll just break out the oat milk and just, you know, we'll have a glass and <laughs> talk it over, chop it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what you do. Well, Barton, we'll uh, yeah. we've, we've loved uh, working with you. We will root for you and your success at Vanderbilt. Uh, congratulations on the hire. And uh, we look forward to uh, keeping in touch. Maybe, maybe you'll join us for a guest spot at some point in the, uh, in the future. If, are we'll you see. even allowed to? I, I don't know. I guess that's a, that's we got a TVD. <laughs> uh, All right. But I will say this, look, there is a big, first of all, this has been the, like my favorite part of the job, even beyond like the evaluation is having these conversations with you guys, because y'all are, y'all are my boys and y'all are my friends and it's been fun. So everyone that's listens to the cover three podcast, it's all no acting here. It's all real. But second of all, there, there is a massive cover three audience 
We have a massive over army. I am not asking anyone to drop their fandom and pick up the Commodores, but I don't think it's too much to ask for all the years and all the hours I've logged talking on this podcast for our loyal listeners to at least put Vandy in like the number two spot. Like, <laughs> just, just be, a, you know, give us a courtesy like fandom for a while. And, you know, maybe we might pull, pull Vandy here for a year. But at some point, the goal is we're going to be kicking your team's ass so much that you're going to eventually hate us. And I will take that too. But until we get to that point, put us in the two spot. Love it. Barton, thank you very much. Thanks. These are sweet. Was that choppy like the whole time? Now I'm starting, I'm Not starting to time. think that, that you were never going to get your internet fixed. Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!